Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome back to the All Things Kitchen Renovation Series. Today, we're going to tackle how you're going to potentially save your fingers from an untimely demise. How, you ask? Well, with how you plan to see what you're doing in the kitchen. Lighting, ah, lighting. How do I love thee? Little secret here, I have a thing for light fixtures. The more unique and unusual, the better. My kitchen style is warm and timeless with traditional roots, and we went with repurposed, conversation-inducing red Edison gramophone horn lights over our dining table. They are a bold statement type of lighting choice for sure. They do the job we needed them to do, and I love, love, love them. See the show notes for a picture in case you have no idea how this light could possibly look. Anyway, in any space, layering and controlling your lighting allows you to achieve the quality and quantity of light you need at any time of day and for any task that you're performing. And what I mean by layering of light is that we have lights that do different things and in combination provide an aesthetically pleasing and an effective way to provide light to the room And as our kitchens are heavily used with as a hub with all kinds of activities outside of cooking, it's something that we really do need to get right. Lighting details in the kitchen are part of the plan that seems to get very little attention unless an architect or designer are part of the team. And they tend not to feel as important to clients as other elements, but trust me, it's worth putting some thought into. The layers to consider in your kitchen are overall or ambient, task, an accent or decorative. In a kitchen, we generally look to light the overall space and then layer in task lighting in specific working areas. The most popular way to address overall lighting these days is with recessed lights. For example, pot lights. The less popular options are track lighting and flush mount fixtures. So the first one, pot lights. They are unobtrusive, they have flush trims to the ceiling, they usually come in four, five, or six inch diameters. Uh, They do have an illumination sort of downward column, and what this means is that you will need a good number of them to create enough overlapping light to provide enough coverage and minimize the shadows from one sort of lighting section to another. Uh, You can also get gimbaled versions to allow you to direct the light at any angle. And now they come in LEDs, so the heat and energy consumption issues are no longer a concern. And I'll get into the LED side of things a little bit later in this episode, so just hang on for that. The second option is track lights. And now they have kind of a bad rap for being a bit ugly, but the more modern ones um, that are available these days can be a really, um, they can be a really effective design element. They don't have to be ugly. Uh, you can also add and move heads to suit your lighting needs and minimize the shadowing so that they are, um, they're, they're really a flexible option. Now, the third option here would be uh, flush mount fixtures, which we all kind of know. They're the ones that sit on the ceiling tight. Um, And they shine kind of in all directions, including the ceiling, which means that the light will bounce off the ceiling and then come down again and making the space, sorry, making the space feel a little lighter and brighter with far fewer fixtures. But 
they don't offer focused or adjustable directive lighting as in the other two options. Something to note here is that there isn't a one or none option. You can have a combination of these types as is best suited to your kitchen and your lighting needs. For instance, I have both pot lights and flush mounted fixtures in my kitchen. Regardless of which style of overall lighting you choose, task lighting in a kitchen is an absolute must. Under cabinet lighting is the best task lighting that you can use to light up your countertop surface. There are two main options here, puck lights or continuous uh, lighting, which comes in LED strips or rope lighting. And both can be concealed in your cabinetry uh, with various types of detailing. And whatever that detailing is usually relates to the level of cabinetry that you purchase. So for instance, if it's pretty base budget level stuff, um, the lights will simply be stuck on underneath the upper cabinets with little camouflage. And you'll basically see the housing or the strip when you open your doors or look under uh, the upper unit. If it's more of a mid-range uh, type of product, the puck light hole is usually drilled in the bottom of the upper uh, unit and then a secondary bottom is added inside the cabinet to cover the hole and the wires. Uh, a high-end version of this would be to make a loose valence that's screwed to the upper cabinet in long lengths and then finished with a panel that recesses kind of up and uh, under that and you basically see no fixture and no uh, wires. So it's a really nice visual detail but you do end up paying a little bit more for this type of detailing. Another area that you may have need of a task light would be over a sink. So depending on your cabinetry design, you may want to consider having a light over your sink um, and any of the options, whether they're uh, uh, another recessed light, a pendant or a flush mounted uh, type of light, uh, you're gonna wanna most likely have that be switched independently of the rest of the room. Accent lighting is where we can have a whole lot of fun and really amp up the personality of your design. Uh, such as things like pendants over an island or a peninsula, or even a dining table or a sink, uh, chandeliers, different kinds of rope and strip lights at the top of your cabinetry, uh, behind your crown, or maybe below underneath your toe kicks, um, or even uh, going back to the gimbaled pot lights um, to highlight some artwork that you may have in your kitchen. Uh, now we've touched on the various types of light that you will want to consider for your kitchen. And, and now we need to control it. I can tell you that the more control you have, the better it is for you to ensure that you have just what you need, where and when you need it, and where you want to turn it on and off from. So for example, you have a kitchen and a dining room space and you're prepping dinner and the kids are setting the table. So you'll have the overall and the task lighting on but when it's time to serve the dinner, maybe you don't want to see all the kitchen mess and whatever. So we're going to turn off or dim those ones because uh, you don't want to see the carnage that's on display back there. And then uh, you want to maybe turn on some uh, chandelier or pendants that are over your dining table and maybe uh, leave some task lighting on underneath your kitchen uh, uppers so that, you know, if you do have to go back to the kitchen to grab some more sauce or a different uh piece of cutlery or whatever, you can still find your way over there and, and not be stumbling over things. Now, I personally like to leave my under-counter lights on after we've cleaned everything up at the end. So if I want a cup of tea or a snack a little bit later, I can still see what I'm doing. But it's, I guess, a bit of a quieter amount of light in the evenings. Um, and it's just enough to do what I need to do. And I don't need to blast myself with it in the evening or even first thing in the morning. Now, you'll probably want to have overall light switches at the entrance to your kitchen. 
Uh, you would maybe even have three or four way switches if you have multiple entrances to your room. And basically what that means is that you can turn the uh, lights on and off from multiple points throughout the space. Um, typically, we'd want to have a different switch for the pendants, different switch for the task lighting, different uh, switch for the accent lighting, and then all of those can be with dimmers um, as desired. Sometimes you may not need a dimmer, but most of the times people do like to be able to have a dimmer. Now, the wiring infrastructure for all of your lights and switches and outlets is behind drywall. So this is really something you're going to want to put some thought into because changing out where a pot light or a wall sconce or dining light is after the fact will require opening up drywall and most likely after all the disruption that you've that you've already experienced through your renovation you're not going to be wanting to welcome another bit of destruction and and disruption to your life after you finally finished the project and now you've found out that maybe the light is in the wrong spot now i hope i've convinced you that you know we do need to think a little bit more about your lighting needs and and all that kind of thing and but so what so we thought about it we have a better idea of what we want how do we communicate those details? Well, typically, the lighting um, ceiling plan is called a reflective ceiling plan or an RCP. And this view is as if you were looking from above your ceiling down through the actual ceiling itself and that there's a mirror there. And what you see is reflected back up to you. And uh, this basically shows the reflected image of what you would see. So it's therefore called a reflected ceiling plan. Now, the lighting directions will both be on the reflected ceiling plans as well as the elevational drawings, and they will both have electrical symbols um, showing switch locations, the number and type of lights that they uh, activate, um, so that the electrical team knows what they're doing and where they're placing things. Often, uh, this part of the plan gets omitted unless an architect or a designer are uh, part of the uh, professional team that's, you know, being part of the renovation. Um, Again, because sometimes clients just don't feel it's quite as important uh, as, say, the cabinetry, for instance. But it, again, it's worth putting some thought into. Okay, I promised we'd get into the topic of LEDs. Much of the lighting we see these days, regardless of which layer we're talking about, comes with LED bulbs. And I must confess that I do like an incandescent light quality and the cool-looking Edison bulbs better than an LED. But they are getting there with the light quality and the color and and all the different options that are available and when you shop for led bulbs the box will often mention three specifications lumens kelvins and watts for many people it's uh it's a bit of it's a bit confusing for sure and i'll let you in on a little secret until just recently i was one of those people in the confused category so let's get into it lumens Lumens refer to the total output of light or the brightness of the bulb. The more lumens, the brighter the bulb. I feel like there's a joke in there somewhere, but I'll just move on. The, the bulb brightness in your home will vary likely. Uh, so here's some guidelines. To replace a 100 watt incandescent bulb, you're going to want to look for a bulb that gives you about 1600 lumens. A 75 watt bulb, would, uh, you need 1100 lumens. A 60 watt bulb, you need 800 lumens. And a 40 watt bulb, you need about 450 lumens. All right, Kelvins. Kelvins refer to the color temperature of a light source, or as I think about it, um, being warmer, like being a little bit more yellow in nature, or cooler, or feeling a little bit more on the blue side of the spectrum. Again, here, 
things can be confusing as the lower the number of the kelvins, the warmer the quality of light is, and the higher the number, the cooler it is. So it's a little bit uh, counterintuitive. So basically, a standard sort of Kelvin values are as follows. 2700 Kelvin is similar to an incandescent uh, lamp. It's a little bit warmer. It's more, a little bit more relaxing. Uh, 3000 Kelvin is close to a halogen lamp um, with a little bit warmer but crisper color. And it's considered a warm white. 4000 Kelvin is cooler, uh, a little bit quite a bit more white, and it's been traditionally used in offices, waiting areas, and a lot of commercial applications. It's usually considered or called a cool white. And the last one would be 6,500 Kelvins, or 6,500, um, and it's a very cool white, uh, and it best simulates uh, natural daylight. Um, it's considered to help with uh, increased productivity when used in a working environment. Um, the cooler light produces more of a contrast, so better for sort of like visual tasks. Uh, and a warmer light is more flattering to skin tone, so all the better for your selfie shots, I guess. Now, watts. Watts are a measurement of power consumption, not how bright or what color the bulb's characteristics are. With incandescent bulbs, typically the higher the wattage, the brighter the light. And with LEDs, this is somewhat different because there is no hard and fast rule for correlation between wattage and light output. So for example, one brand's 9-watt LED bulb may emit enough lumens to replace a 60-watt bulb. And if we go back to uh, that quick Coles Notes version, a 60-watt bulb, you would need about 800 lumens. So just jumping back to that. Um, but another brand may be less efficient and maybe it would say need 12 watts to create enough lumens to replace that same 60 watt bulb. And because LED bulbs do not create a substantial amount of heat compared to a traditional fixture, which had sort of a max rating of 60 watt bulb, for instance, um, we wouldn't want to use a 100 watt bulb in a 60 watt bulb fixture for safety reasons. We can replace them with a higher lumened LED without a concern. So a 75-watt um, uh, LED could be used in a, a traditional fixture designated for um, a 60-watt bulb, for instance. When shopping, you'll often see a wattage equivalent of an LED bulb. This is just a simple way of letting you know what level output of this bulb has, and uh, just at a glance, so it'll save you a deeper dive into the lumen specification. But overall, like the lumen should be your guide when measuring the total output of a particular bulb. And as luck would have it, um, it is the most sort of thought transferable from the older wattage bulb type of system that we grew up with. And basically it comes down to this. The greater the lumens, the brighter the light. The lower the number of kelvins, the warmer the light. The last thing I'll mention for today, and also on the topic of LEDs still, is that if you're replacing a traditional incandescent bulb in a traditional fixture uh, with an LED, you may find that you also need to swap out your dimmer switch to an LED compatible option so you don't get a weird flickering of the light or buzzing sounds. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to listen to the other episodes in this series for more bite-sized info on all the elements that go into renovating your drab to dream kitchen. If you're ready to take the next steps, we are, of course, happy to consult with you on your dream kitchen. 
So please do not hesitate to reach out and we'll set up an initial consultation. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for All Things Renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.